You know, when you, um, when you look at nature and uh, you want to determine what's healthy and what's not healthy, the first thing you look for is fruit. You look for the fresh, the fresh fruit, the new fruit. And um, you just got to look around and, mate, there's bambini everywhere, eh? <laughs> Praise the Lord. How many we got? We got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, two in the oven, one in the oven, baking away. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. No, no, that, that wasn't an official announcement. I'd be a bit worried. Hey, um, and it's also good to see our, our young guys um, um, reproducing, eh? Hallelujah. Church Growth Strategy 101. Woohoo! Who's excited? I'm excited. God's good, amen. God's brilliant. Are we allowed to say God's brilliant? I reckon he's brilliant. He's brilliant. And um, it's just a privilege to, to come together and, and just share the word and share fellowship and share the exciting, uh, the exciting news of being part of a family. Amen. And, um, you know, church very much is a family. Uh, it, regardless of the size, uh, we're still family. We still celebrate um, the goodness of what God's doing in our midst. And also, as Paul says, rejoice with those that rejoice and mourn with those that mourn. And so... Um, we just praise God in every circumstance. This morning I just want to share again, it just really seems to be a word that's a burden on my heart um, to, to share. And I know I shared it a couple of weeks ago in the area of forgiveness. And I'm going to share on it again this morning. Um, but just take a little bit of a different view and a different tact um, on it. Um, and it's not the sense that... Uh, I think we all have, sometimes in our, in our walk, I think we can all say we've, we've struggled with this issue. Okay, are you with me there? I think we've all struggled with forgiveness. I know at times we can say it quite easily, I forgive you, but often there's still the stain of it on our hearts. And look guys, to be honest, if it's not dealt with, it really is a cancer. It really is something that will tear us apart, not straight away. And it's not always that obvious, but it's, it's like a cancer that eats away. And you know, you often see people who are physically sick and the root of it is unforgiveness. I've seen it too many times throughout my Christian walk. As a pastor, I've seen people who are actually physically sick, dealing with issues in their life and the root of it is actually unforgiveness because with unforgiveness comes bitterness doesn't it and bitterness is like a sour root it doesn't produce anything good in our life it's a weed in our life and so if we look at, at all of this in respect to our our walk with Christ I think this is a an issue that we always need to continually remind ourselves of. I don't think we can remind ourselves of it enough. And so this morning I just want to, again, 
just look at this whole area of forgiveness and what is the foundation of forgiveness. Because, um, you know, who struggled with it? We all struggle with it. Doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian, sometimes things happen and you just think, mm, how do I get through this? How do I restore what has been taken? So if you've got your Bibles, we're going to concentrate in Matthew 18. Um, if you've got your devices, switch it to the Amplified Version of Matthew 18 because that's where I'm going to take it from. And we're going to have a look at forgiveness. Again, just to reiterate one of the things about forgiveness. Forgiveness should not flow out of obedience. Now, you might think that's a strange thing to say. The motivation of forgiving someone should not come from the law. And you, know, you want to know why? Because we are New Testament Christians. Amen? We're post-cross, not pre-cross. And everything that is post-cross, everything that comes from the cross comes from grace, comes from mercy, doesn't come from the law. Now the law might say, and the words of the Gospels might say, you need to forgive in order to be forgiven. But if that is the foundation, we're always going to forgive. We might be able to forgive, but it might also come with a sense of resentment. Well, I have to forgive you, so I'll forgive you. Now that's not grace, is it? That's not mercy. That's just me saying, well, I've got to do it, so I've got to do it. You ever had your kids do, have that sort of attitude? Well, you're my dad and you told me I have to do it, so I'll, I'll do it, but I don't really want to. Okay, you know where I'm coming from. So it's not obeying, the motivation should not be in obeying the law. Okay, it shouldn't be out of guilt as well. Well, I'm a Christian, I'm supposed to be a good Christian, so I'm supposed to forgive and, and you know, there's this sense of guilt because I can't forgive you or I'm struggling in, in finding forgiveness in my heart towards you. So it shouldn't be out of guilt, okay, to appease any sense of guilt. I shared this last time. It shouldn't be out of fear. You know, because we can read the words of the Bible and it says that Unless you forgive one another, your Father in heaven won't forgive you. And we can use that and be fearful of that without understanding the context of why that was said. And we're going to touch on it a little bit this morning. And then, then there's also that sense of pride. We can forgive and have that sense of, well, I've forgiven you, so I'm a better person than you. You know, this sort of sense of, I'm doing things better. Look at me. I can forgive you. So all these things, these four things should never be the foundation of forgiveness. Some of them might play a part in that journey. But ultimately, there is one thing, only one thing, that is the true motivation of forgiveness. And I shared this two weeks ago. Who can remember? What is it? Must have been a different crowd. Compassion. Compassion. Okay? So let's go to Matthew 18.
Now this whole area of Matthew 18 is in the area of forgiveness because Peter comes up to Jesus and asks him this question. Lord, how many times may my brother sin against me and I forgive him and let it go? As many as up to seven times? Seven times sounds like a long, a lot, doesn't it? Seven times sounds like just too many times for someone to do something against you and you need to forgive them. And what does it say? What does it say? Forgive them and let it go. The two have correlation. Seven times sounds like a lot. And Peter was big noting himself, I think, a bit. But Jesus said, nah, hang on, mate. What about we look at 70 times 7? 490 times. That's a lot, isn't it? That's a lot. I tell you, not up to seven times, but 70 times seven. And then he goes into a parable. Why does he go into a parable? Because he wants to explain the process of forgiveness. And he says, therefore, say therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a human king who wished to settle accounts with his attendants. So if you want to know what heaven's like, if you want to know the principles and the concepts and what we should be aiming for in as far as living in the kingdom of heaven, because remember, let it be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we're looking to live on earth as it already is in heaven. Amen? We're not looking for this big bright light of holiness to shine through the clouds and the angels singing and all that sort of stuff. Actually, the kingdom of heaven works through us through how we live here on earth. So when we're praying, Lord, let your kingdom come here on earth, what we're actually saying is, Lord, through my life, let the principles of heaven be shown. Okay? So the area of forgiveness is actually not something that falls from the heavens. It's actually something that comes through us. So if we're saying to the world, the good, good Father forgives the world of its sins, and yet we cannot forgive, we're being hypocrites, aren't we? We are not reflecting the true nature of God. And so it says that the kingdom of heaven is like a human king who wished to settle accounts with his attendants. And when he began the accounting, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Now that sounds like a lot, and it is a lot. A talent, it's... Um, it's questionable as to how much that actually is. But most commentators say that it's about a year's wages. Okay? In relative terms. A year's wages. So that's like saying working for 10,000 years is what the king was owed. My question is why did the king let it build up so much? But I don't think that's the point of the story. Okay? That was just bad management. But that's, that's a side issue. Alright? Got nothing to do with the story. But what it's saying is that this debt was unpayable. It was unpayable, okay? We'd have to live like 2,000 lifetimes to be able to pay it back. And we can relate that to us as Christians, can't we? What we owe God because of our sin was unpayable. 
we couldn't pay it. There was no way. No matter how many lifetimes, no matter how long we lived, no matter how smart, how beautiful, how whatever, we could never pay it. Who owed him 10,000 talents. And because he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and everything that he possessed and the payment be made. Now again, we look at that and we think, hmm, that's a bit harsh. But the reality is, that was a right judgment on the whole situation. The king wasn't being mean, it was just the right judgment. In those days, if you owed someone money and you couldn't pay it back, you were actually put into prison until the debt was paid. That was the correct sentence. So the king wasn't being unjust, okay, He wasn't being unfair and he had every right to put the man in prison until the debt was paid. So the attendant fell on his knees begging him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And his master's heart was moved with what? Say it again. Come on with feeling. And he released him. He released him. His heart was filled with compassion and he released him and forgave him, cancelling the debt. What a beautiful reflection on our Heavenly Father. What a beautiful reflection of the, of the situation we had found ourselves in. Unable to pay a debt in repentance... We came before the Father. We said, Lord, forgive me. What I have done, I could never repay. But I accept your forgiveness. I accept your grace, your mercy. And who knows that their debt to God is cancelled now through the blood of Christ. Can I have an amen? You see, if you don't know that right now where you're sitting then you need in repentance to come before the Father like the servant came before the king and say, Lord, I can't pay this back. My debt to you is unsurmountable. I need your grace. This has to be done, guys. You see, because without repentance, there is no forgiveness of sin. You see, if the servant hadn't gone to the king and say, I beg you, forgive cancel my debt have mercy on me then the king wouldn't have done it but the action of the servant moved the king moved his heart to compassion and cancelled his debt now here's a point I wanted to make in regards to forgiveness and this whole area of debt and if we can see that forgiveness and debt are actually linked, I think we'll have a much, I won't say easier time, but I think we'll be able to move through the journey of forgiveness a lot quicker. And the point I want to make is this. If someone has done something wrong to us, the burden on our heart, the attitude that we take is actually, you owe me something. You owe me something. You've actually taken something away from me and now you owe me. You owe me my happiness. 
you owe me. And we see it as a debt. If Jamie sins against me, my attitude can become, well, you owe me something. You're in debt to me, buddy. And until you pay it back, there's something between us. And I think in life, and I believe this in myself, and it's how I've tried to live my life, is that people don't owe me anything. Because when we have that sense that my partner, my children, my parents, my family, my workplace, if we all have that sense of that, how I feel about myself, how I view myself, depends on what they do for me, Oh, I'm always going to be disappointed. They're always going to let me down. And I think this is a clue as to why people who are closest to us actually hurt us the most and sometimes we find our family and friends the hardest ones to forgive. It's because we have that sense that the debt is greater. It's that sense of that relationship has been close Therefore, my happiness is dependent on your actions towards me. You need to make me happy. Your actions make me happy. But you see, joy is not found in our relationship with one another. Where is it found? In the Lord. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Is that what the word says? And yes, we can expect that our relationships bring us joy. I'm not saying that. But when we have that sense of when it's not given, all of a sudden becomes a debt between us. Or you've said something with your words that have pierced my heart. Or you've done something to me that has destroyed a part of me, either physically or mentally or emotionally all of a sudden we build up this aspect of now there's a debt between us. And until you pay it back, I'm going to put you in a prison and I'm not going to let you out until you pay it back. You owe me an apology. You ever heard that said? That person owes me an apology. And that might be right and that might be just. But it sort of leapfrogs the whole issue of compassion. Well, even though you might owe me an apology, my attitude is going to be, and I'm not saying it's easy, the attitude is going to be, well, until you pay it back, you're in my prison. You get what I'm saying? And this whole parable highlights this and brings it out. That the king forgave the servant. And we can look at that and say, well, the servant repented and that's good. And if a brother sins against you and comes back to you and repents, that's good. We forgive. Just like Peter said. 
That was his question to begin this whole thing. And so we, we've got that, don't we? Have we got that part? So if we can see unforgiveness as, a, as an issue of debt, then I think we can help clarify it in our mind and help us push through that barrier into an, a realm of forgiveness through a heart of compassion. Okay? Now, the parable keeps going, though. And it talks about this same person, this same attendant. And it says this, The same attendant, as he went out, found one of his fellow attendants who owed him a hundred denarii. Now, talent was a year's wages, okay? And they say that a denarii was a day's wages, okay? So you're going from being forgiven 10,000 times your yearly salary to someone who owed you how much? A hundred days wages. It's incomparable, isn't it? And he caught him by the throat and said, Pay me what you owe. So his fellow attendant fell down and begged him earnestly, Give me time and I will pay you all. But he was unwilling. And he went out and had him put in prison till he should pay the debt. When his fellow attendants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and they went and told everything that had taken place to their master. Then his master called him and said to him, You contemptible and wicked attendant, I forgave and cancelled all your great debt because you begged me to and you, and should you not have had pity and mercy on the fellow attendant as I had pity and mercy on you. So again, it's all in relation to Peter's question. If a brother sins against me, how many times do I forgive them? And this very much speaks to us in our everyday life. And it brings us to the point of, if we have that relationship with our Heavenly Father, we should, we should, we should understand the great debt that has been paid to us. That we've been forgiven of, sorry. We should have that understanding. And once we have that understanding, to hold a grudge, to hold unforgiveness against a, a, another person is actually what we're saying, what we're demonstrating is, well, God's forgiven me, but I'm not going to forgive you. It doesn't work, does it? It's actually wickedness, according to the, this parable. It's contemptible in God's sight. When he looks at what he's forgiven us of and we can't forgive one another, I mean, what's that about? It was his fellow servants that saw the situation and just shook their head and said, man, don't you understand what you've been forgiven of and you're demanding this from one of your brothers? Remember? Lord, let it be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, if that's part of our daily prayer as Jesus taught us how to pray, Lord, help me to live as 
you have shown me through the example of Jesus Christ. And then we turn it all up on its head and think, well, you know, you did a terrible thing to me and I'm not going to forgive you. That actually goes against everything we stand for. And we can look at each other and think, man, what's going on here? You've been forgiven us so much. How can you not forgive that little debt? It's all very quiet here, isn't it? I hope the Word of God is, is sort of pricking our conscience this morning. And especially if you've been struggling in this area of unforgiveness. Because it has to be dealt with. It has to be dealt with. If you are to live in the fullness of Christ, if you are to live as an example, as a, an ambassador of Christ, this stain cannot be resident in our life. And look, I know people can do horrible, horrible things to one another. And the pain of that. And you might think to yourself, well, how do you know when you've forgiven? How do you know when it's more than just the words out of your mouth, but it actually is a part of your life? And I want to finish with this this morning. And I pray that we're able to reflect upon it in the days and weeks ahead, especially at Christmas. Because you see, sometimes Christmas draws out a lot of family issues. As families get together, they do it out of a sense of duty, but sometimes you know, things have happened in, in the family's history and there's tension and that sense of unforgiveness, again, resurfaces. So how do you know when you've forgiven someone? And it's a good question. I don't know if I fully have the answer, but this is how I've, I've sensed it myself. And I can relate it to when I was a building contractor. A couple of jobs that I was working on, something went amiss, long story, I just want to get down to the point of it. And there was that sense that the client that I was working for demanded something of me which I thought was unfair. And in the end, it cost a lot of money. It was tens of thousands of dollars, okay? Nearly close to six figure. And that ate away at me for a long, long time. I just thought, you... Yeah. You can, you, you can fill in the blank there. And it's also, and you, you relate to what I'm saying. Every time you saw that person, what happened? Your heart sort of started beating a bit faster and all the memories flooded in and all the unholy thoughts surfaced again. And there's that sense of angst in your heart. And it's almost like you wanted to divert to the other side of the street and back around. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? And through that process, I had to come to the conclusion that I had to let it go. 
I had to let it go. That God is my Redeemer. God is the one who will restore all things. All the things that the Bible says about me and my relationship with God will actually happen as part of my life, not just as theological knowledge. And there was that sense that I had to let it go. And again, you think to yourself, well, how do you know when you let it go? Is it when you forget about it? No, because you'll never forget about it. You won't. We're just human. You know, forgive and forget, well, that's not a biblical concept, I don't think. But I know I've forgiven him. How? Because I know when I meet him up the street, I can stop and say hello. I can stop and ask, how's, how's he doing? How's his family? There's no sense of angst in my heart. And there's no sense of, man, you owe me. I'm going to get my pound of flesh out of you. And I think that's a key, guys. That's what I believe through my experience. That if, if we're walking around the corner and all of a sudden there they are in our face, there's not this, oh, what am I going to do now? But there's that genuine, hey, how are you going? Glad I've seen you today. And it's actually funny now that we play in the same squash comp. We, so we see each other every week. But that's cool. We'll stop and talk to each other. I don't think I've bought him a drink yet. <laughs> but that's because he's on a different line than me. So we don't actually play each other. We just play on the same night. But you get what I mean. Can, I'm, I'm trying to break it down into, into real terms here, guys. Of how do we know when we've forgiven someone? Because we often believe that because we haven't forgot about them, that we haven't forgiven them. But that's not true. And it's not that we're going to trust that person again. I mean, I probably won't do business with him again. But there's that sense of, I'm at peace with this. And I can let it go. He doesn't know me. I'm not looking for anything out of him. I'm moving on. And I think that's the key, guys, as we finish up today. Forgiveness is paramount. Forgiveness is necessary if we're going to live a full life in Christ. I'm going to ask the team to come up and we're going to finish again. Just in song, just in worship. And if this is an area you're struggling in, can I just encourage you to, as you're standing there worshipping God, just lift your hands and give it to him. But if you feel you need prayer, then hey, I'm here to pray with you. If unforgiveness is really a big thing in your life, you've got to, come, you've got to own it. You've got to come to that realization that, hey, I actually have to admit this. Not just put on my happy face. Not just talk the Christianese but actually own it and deal with it.
So let's do that as a team sings Good Good Father. Thanks, Meredith. Let's reflect upon what the Holy Spirit has shown us this morning. That He is Good Good Father. And what He's shown us, let us be able to exhibit to others. So if you need prayer, come forward. If you need salvation, come forward. If you don't feel or sense that you've repented before God, then do that this morning. The reality is He is a good Father. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed is His name. And I pray that we have that sense of your kingdom come, your will be done through our life here on earth as it is in heaven. So this morning I pray that you're able to reflect upon those words that we've shared. Reflect upon Matthew 18. Go home and read it again. Read it through a few different versions. And allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you through that in the area of forgiveness. In the area of letting go of that debt and walking in the victory and the freedom that's ours in Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Stick around, guys. Enjoy Missions Kiosk. Enjoy a coffee. Enjoy company. God bless you.